Easy Peeper Deeps and welcome to another installment of the Feeling Fine podcast and I am your host Pete Fine and before I start I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody that has listened and been following my podcast since it started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, don't forget that you can subscribe. You can now listen to this podcast on all of the uh, major podcast podcast places. Uh, Google, Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. You can find the podcast on all of these platforms. Also, obviously, Podbean, who is the host. And and if you're not uh, a member of any of these um, outlets, then simply go to my Facebook or my um, Instagram page and you can find the URL, copy and paste it, or simply click it, see what happens. I'm sure it'll take you somewhere. And hopefully you can catch it then. Don't forget to subscribe, follow and share. Share if you uh, appreciate the content. It's all greatly appreciated. And also, um, in case you missed it, there's uh, a midweek mini podcast that I've been dropping. I did the first one uh, this Wednesday gone. It's only about 15 minutes long. In which I... Um, I pick out random phrases uh, or sayings that we might use and break them down as I see them. Uh, this week, uh, the Wednesday just gone, I spoke about the term that we use, being yourself or to be yourself, and what does it mean as I see it. So also you can go and check that out, and any of my previous episodes, they're all available to listen to, just follow um, the Pete Fine, type in Pete Fine or click on the URL on my Facebook or Instagram page. So following on from last week's podcast, which was entitled Mind is Everything. Uh, this week, this week's podcast, I have titled I Am Not the Mind or you might say it another way, I am not the mind. <laughs> uh, and basically, this, hearing this to you now, it might seem or sound quite paradoxical, uh, considering what it was, my show was called last week. This week I am saying I am not the mind, or I am not the mind. I'm just going to put my cardigan on for the benefit of uh, anybody that's listening and not watching. <laughs> I am now putting on my cardigan. Uh, yes, it's that time of year. The temperature is dropping slightly and there is a bit of a chill in the room. I do have a heater blazing behind me, but uh, on this occasion, it just doesn't quite feel like enough. But anyway, I am not the mind. So what does this mean? Where am I going with this? Well, 
I there's a reason why uh, I say that I am spiritual or I refer to myself as being spiritual and I know that when um, when many people hear this it conjures up all kinds of different images and ideas and also it's like the word religion okay so when you click on the links or you follow my podcast on any of these uh, podcast platforms you might see or you might notice that it's under the kind of category of religion and spirituality so this is often how spirituality is grouped uh, in this way and this is often why people make the association that religion and spirituality are both the same thing well okay i suppose in truth we're all religious we're all religious about something to me religion or to be religious basically means how you apply yourself to something or how you include something in your life so when something becomes quite uh, I suppose in a word dominant in your life then it means that you have become religious about it however obviously the word religion has kind of um, taken on quite a different meaning with regards to uh, belief system and so on and uh, um, scriptures and, and, and the like that you know people obviously follow and believe in and so on and so on so often the word religion is associated in this way but then as I've just said we can all be religious or to uh, to put it another way we probably all are religious about something in some way uh, you know I once said that everybody has a God even if you say you don't believe in God everybody has a God and this I suppose in some way is is my way of saying that same thing so um, why do I say I'm spiritual why do I speak in this way as, as I've said before I don't regard my spirituality as a belief system it's not something that I believe in what it is is it's like the basis of, of what of, of what I realize the basis of my realization you know to believe in something means that you've read something somewhere or somebody's told you something basically you've gathered information from somewhere that is comforting to the mind so if it makes your mind feel comfortable then this is the basis of your belief and and what it also means is that you haven't really had a true experience of whatever it is that you believe in now where beliefs can kind of um, can distance us really from truly knowing is you might have had an experience in some way shape or form you might have had some kind of experience and you didn't know what it was you didn't know how to describe it or, or whatever so it might have been an inner experience or you might have even seen something but whatever it is and 
it's something completely new to you. You have no idea what you've just experienced. So then you go along and you tell somebody else about it. Uh, and eventually you might find somebody that's had the same kind of experience. And they then tell you what it is, what it is that you've experienced. So now, because of your kind of belief in this person or in this person's knowledge, you now take it on board that your experience was the same as what they experienced. So this is your belief. But in reality, you still are no better off for knowing what it is that you experienced. But what you have done in that moment, in that process, is you have taken your own experience and boxed it up in this category, in this idea that comforts the mind. Now the mind doesn't need to probe it anymore. Or so you think. <laughs> or so you think. You see, the mind is... Uh, uh, Okay, the way I look at it, we should all, we should all give ourselves the time to understand the mind. So, you know, everything that I'm going to say here, and like, I, and I'm going to say this in every one of my episodes, just so that you're aware. I don't want you to believe anything that I'm saying. I don't want you to believe anything that I'm saying because I know that we're in the process of believing you are just giving your mind something to be comfortable about. And if your mind is comfortable, then your mind is still in control. Even though you might have found a bit of solace and a bit of comfort and a bit of ease, your mind is still in control. This is why I don't want you to believe. You know, I look at how humanity is now and we are experiencing this kind of whole host of, of issues in humanity. The human experience is it's tumultuous, it's chaotic, it's often really painful. There's so much suffering because the mind is in control. But... How the mind can be deceptive, and although I'm saying, I'm kind of saying this, it makes it sound like the mind has a mind of its own. But, you know, uh, I'm going to sort of dig into this a bit later. But how the mind can be deceptive is it can take over the situation in such a way that it, it, it leaves you feeling better about something and when you feel better about something the curiosity is no longer there but the mind can never settle the mind can never settle so um, it might for the time being be settled but there is within every single one of us within all of us there is like a, a curiosity there's this curiosity that's just constantly trying and trying to come out. It's constantly trying and trying to come out and kind of hook us <clears throat> to the point where we, we have this 
inner desire is like a, a volcano that's just bubbling up within us, deep within us, bubbling up, bubbling up in deep within us. And it's it's trying to reach the surface. And this this volcano is the volcano of curiosity that when it erupts, when it erupts, it will throw everything into dismay. Everything will, will just kind of become uh, it will become uh, uh, something that really doesn't make that much sense anymore. Paradoxical. Everything becomes paradoxical. Like me in my previous episode saying, mind is everything, and then in this episode saying, I am not the mind. So why do I say I'm spiritual? Purely because... I I have come to this realization that I am able to observe the mind. I am able to observe the body. I am able to observe the mind that is within. I am able to observe this body. I am able to see these things and I am able to kind of separate myself from them. <coughs> excuse me so what this means is that it's like I can for example I can I can have illness in, in this body I can have illness in my body my body can be overrun with all kinds of illnesses or whatever it can this body can be knocked off its feet knocked off his feet and even though this body is knocked off his feet to the point where I'm stuck in bed I've got a high temperature and all of these kind of things I could be experiencing all of these things but I can still have the ability to 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 kind of elevate my awareness out of the experience of 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 the pain and the suffering I can elevate my awareness beyond this. And we've all had this experience. We've all experienced this, uh, uh, this kind of elevation. For example, you might, um, you might have been ill one time at one point uh, and in your sick bed. And while you're there in your sick bed, you're like, oh, woe is me. Uh. <laughs> Where your tissues and all of this kind of stuff completely caked up in the face, can hardly breathe and so on, and you've got all kinds of eucalyptus and lemon and honey and blah, blah, blah all around the place. Snot rags all over the place and all over the floor because you've got no energy to clean up behind you. <laughs> uh, and so you're suffering. You're suffering in this experience. But then... <clears throat> Somebody comes to pay you a visit. Somebody comes to pay you a visit. You know, we all have had this experience where you're in, you're sick, you're completely sick. But then we all have uh, bulletproof friends. <laughs> you might have been that bulletproof friend at some point. But no matter how sick you are, they'll come and visit you, see how you are. Uh, and... Um, 
And when you see this friend, and okay, it might not just be that you've got an illness or like flu or something. It could be that you've you've broken your leg and you can't literally can't move. You can't get off the sofa or something. You know, anything, anything basically, which basically renders you physically inactive uh, and suffering great pain. But then you have this friend who comes to see you, and. You, there's an interaction between you, between you and your friend. And the first part of the interaction might be, hello, how are you doing? Uh, in which place you might be like, oh, you know, woe is me, my back, my leg, my this, my that, and I can't breathe and all of this kind of stuff. But then after the initial kind of, you know, once you've got all that rubbish out of the way, then... Uh, you might ask your friend, so how are you, how's things going out there and all of this in the world outside of your sick bed? So you, you and your friend start talking. And before you know it, you are both engaged in a conversation, in a dialogue, uh, which basically elevates you above the experience of pain and suffering and sickness. So now, for this moment, you are not even aware of what the body is experiencing all of these symptoms that are going on in the body you have completely elevated yourself above these symptoms and this is the same experience that we have no matter what we are experiencing in the body we can still have the same experience no matter what no matter what so you have these conversations that suddenly you are not aware at all of what's happening in your body. You are completely unaware of it. But then, every so often, you'll remind, you'll remind yourself, you'll remember. Oh, oh, you start groaning again. Oh, the pain, oh, the pain. So you, we have these moments where uh, we can be kind of distracted from our symptoms and our ailments, almost as if, they are they don't even exist but then we kind of remind ourselves of them so the mind is constantly trying to hook our attention with this suffering experience whereas the present moment which is exactly what it is when you are engaged in this dialogue with your friend your bulletproof friend once you get engaged in this dialogue your friend and that interaction brings you into the present moment. You are now present. You have to be present to, con to converse with somebody. You know, your mind cannot be focused on two things at once. It can't be focused on two things at once. So while you are actively focusing on something like what your friend's saying or even what you are saying, while you are actively focused, you are present. But then there might be that small window of opportunity like... Your friend might be speaking to you. And in this moment, you are not actually physically doing anything other than trying to listen. And at the same time, as you trying to listen to your friend, your mind script is, is also trying to hook your attention. So then at some point, your mind script hooks your attention and immediately you are reminded about your ailment. This is, this is like... This whole experience is like the past replaying in your present. It's the past replaying in your present. The past being, you've had this experience, you've had 
you've, you've, you've felt the pain. You see, pain and suffering are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. Pain is the physical aspect of an experience. Suffering is the mental interpretation. So you can have pain. You can have pain. Pain is the present experience, but the suffering is how you interpret it. And that interpretation is often the result of past conditioning that you have taken on board. So we have this experience. Uh, the past replays in the present. It distracts us from the present. But when we are present, we might experience the pain still, but often we can elevate our awareness above the pain threshold to the point where the pain doesn't even exist. You know, even if it's something like toothache, you know, so many of us have had this experience of toothache. One of the most difficult and harshest pains that you can have you know, a trapped nerve being another one, for example. And and even though these pains are there, you have these moments where it's almost like the pains disappear, but it hasn't gone anywhere. You have just elevated your awareness above the pain threshold. So you are no longer being hooked by the pain. And because you are no longer being hooked by the pain, you are no longer suffering the experience. So... We have this ability to rise above, to elevate our awareness above what's happening in the body. But then at the same time, at the same time, the mind and the body are, they are connected. They are one. Without the mind, there is no body. Without the body, there is no mind. So in my previous podcast where I said, Mind is everything. The body is a thing. The mind is also a thing. So to the mind, the mind is a thing. To the mind, the body is a thing. All things are of the mind. So what this means is, with this uh, podcast episode being I am not the mind, is basically a way of saying that the reason why we elevate or we can elevate our awareness above the, the pain and the, the, the physical sensations and experiences is because who we are in truth is beyond the concept of things, beyond the mind's ability to grasp. So... There is a deeper, uh, a deeper awareness. And in truth, this, uh, um, this knowledge, or I'll refer to it rather, not knowledge, but this knowing, this knowing is like a realization that from this kind of standpoint, it means that the uh, awareness, it means that awareness and who you are are inseparable. There's no separ separation between awareness and who you are in truth. So how then, how do we become uh, uh, trapped and lost 
in this experience of suffering? How then do we become trapped and lost in the experience of pain? How do we, or how has humanity become so entrenched in all of this suffering that we see human pe humanity going through worldwide? Uh, all of the atrocities, excuse me, that humans um, kind of commit against each other and against the planet, all of the things that we do, how and why have we reached this point? And it's purely because we have uh, a, a kind of adapted the belief or adopted the belief that who we are is this physical body and this mind. The mind and body is the sum total of who we are. And, you know, this, this kind of fickle combination is 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 who we are and it's you know so when you look at the mind what is the mind in truth uh there's a a, a, a song some of you might know a hip-hop song uh grandmaster melly mel and the furious five uh i can't remember the title of it now but one of the lines, one of the lines that Merlin Mel says in the song, a child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. You know, and this kind of, uh, basically, this is the situation for, for every single one of us. The moment that we are born into this reality, we don't have a mind. An infant doesn't have a mind. But on the moment of birth, the infant begins to form a mind because essentially what the mind is, is it's just a gathering of memory. It's just a, a gathering of memory which is formed from experience. Now, it could be argued, it could be said that, uh, you know, there are many people that demonstrate an ability to kind of recall past lives. And <laughs> this is another one of those topics that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to save this topic for a future podcast. But basically, just to kind of gloss over it, uh, so some people are born with uh, the ability to recall past lives in vivid detail. So there are some things that you might see um, or you might uh, uh, have heard about and so on that, you know, it's it's quite easy to be sceptical. And, you know, and in reality, we should all be sceptical. There should always be scepticism about things that you hear. We should never really just accept anything as the truth until we have really uh, questioned things at, at the deepest level everything should be uh, uh, should remain as skeptical in your mind so there are some people that are born and demonstrate uh, an exceptional ability to recall past lives from a very young age so you know it might be argued that if it's somebody in their 20s 30s or 40s or whatever they've just memorized a load of stuff 
uh, and they're recalling it in this way. But then when it's an infant or a very small child and they can recall uh, so many things in uh, such vivid detail about places that they've never been to in this life experience uh, and the details that they speak in have proven to be true, then this requires a, a whole new level of understanding, a whole new level of understanding. Uh, my point and reason for mentioning this is because, uh, like I said, you know, as infants, we're born, uh, 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 sorry, when we're born as infants, we have no mind, but then we start to gather information and we start to store memories. This essentially is the development of the mind. However, it could also be said that our mind is something that we've had many 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 past lives many past lives and that memory it we carry it into this present life experience and it's that memory which also kind of uh, in a way dictates how our life is going to play out or is going to be mapped out from the, our moment of birth however even in saying that, our potential to uh, to kind of rise above that memory, like I've just said, is always present with us at every step of the way. Every step of the way. So, um, so essentially, we don't have a memory until we are born and then we start to gather information we start to store information in a certain way and so on and so on and so on um, and our bodies our bodies when we're born and you know the process of birth is basically the coming together of cells and so on and so on until it's formed into this the infant that is born into the world and then the constant feeding of the infant of the, as it grows and so on and so on. So basically the, the infant grows in accordance with, with, it, with what is fed, both mentally and physically. So <clears throat> our memory as we grow plays a big part in our lives. But then uh, part of that memory is what leads us to suffering. Part of that memory is what, uh, what, what creates so much tension and turmoil in the world, both on uh, an individual level and uh, with, within humanity as a whole. And this is purely the way that we utilize that memory. So when, uh, excuse me, just going to have a drink of tea for the benefit of those who are listening and not watching. So when uh, we look now uh, at how humanity is and how humanity is progressing and moving forward, we see many things that are attributed to the memory that are essentially causing trouble pain and suffering in so many people and again like i said it's all because of the memory 
it's not because of the experience itself, but how we interpret the experience through our memory. So just like I said before about being able to elevate your awareness above the experience of the body, we also have the ability to elevate our awareness above the uh, the torrents and the the kind of uh, the chaos that's going on in our minds. So even if no matter what you might be suffering mentally, obviously we speak about mental health now and so on. Uh, whether you suffer with panic, whether you suffer with anxiety, whether you suffer with stress. Uh, anything related to the mind that we suffer with or that people suffer with now, depression and so on and so on, to be able to or, or to have the realisation that you are able to elevate your awareness above these experiences that are both uh, mental and physical. So it's almost like being able to to watch these things on a TV screen. So if you turn on a TV and the and there's a character on the TV who's suffering and struggling and so on, and you can watch this without attachment. So you know, often when people watch TV programs and so on, there's an element of attachment there. We sympathise often with what people are going through when we see it on the, on, on the TV and stuff like this. So in that sympathy, we are likening ourselves to the person that's suffering the experience. But then, you know, we can also watch in a way where we are, we're not attached. So we are still empathising with the person or the experience but there's no attachment. So we're not feeling it in the same way, but we have the understanding. So to, um, so to look at it like this, this is the same way that we can elevate ourselves above the suffering and the experience in both the body and the mind. And to be able to see them for what they really are. The, 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 the experience in the body is... You know, so you might have the physical pains, for example, you might have the ailments, but then the experience of the mind to realize what's going on in the mind is the mind interpreting what's going on in the body and ultimately judging it is either good or bad. <clears throat> so when, uh, okay, so when the mind uh, uh, um, judges something as good, then generally we feel happy about it. Generally, we feel happy, we feel sort of elated and, and kind of ecstatic and so on. But when something's judged as being bad, then it's the complete opposite. We feel saddened, we feel, um, we feel low, we feel depressed and, and so on and so on. So here now we see a connection between how we feel and how we think. And this, this creates like a vicious circle. This creates a vicious circle that we end up being trapped within. So the whole reason why I see it as being, you know, like top level importance that we begin to raise our awareness 
above the body and above the mind is because the way things are right now is we are trapped in this idea, in this belief. We are trapped in this belief that I am the body, I am the mind. This is the trap. And in this trap, it basically means that whatever the body's experiencing and whatever the mind is processing or, or regurgitating, this is effectively, it's you that's, that's, that's doing this. It's you that's causing the mind to do all of this, or rather, I'll rephrase that. You have no control over the mind. The mind is doing all of this, and it's, it's, it's troubling you, okay? Uh, and subsequently, whatever's going through the body, you have these mood swings, for example. Uh, suddenly, you just can't be doing with people, and, and you just feel so depressed, you feel so low, and... And all of these kind of experiences, you can't explain why you feel the way that you feel, but this is just how it is. And everybody has to kind of fall in. Everybody has to kind of tiptoe around you because you don't feel like yourself. But the whole process is basically because what's going on in your mind is also affecting your body there's an interaction there's a connection there mind and body are both connected you might say mind and body are one and there's a connection there and your awareness is stuck in the middle of the two so it gets very confusing it gets very confusing it gets difficult it gets awkward it gets uncomfortable and as a result we suffer the experience so this suffering in 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 itself creates another thought pattern to uh, to develop in the mind. So now we have a, a self-perpetuating cycle whereby the past, and this is what it means to be stuck in the past. The past interprets the present, and through this interpretation, the, uh, the mind, through this interpretation, it creates the idea the idea of how you should feel. And now because the idea has been created of how you should feel, now you have that feeling that sweeps through your body. Now the, the feeling has swept through the body, the mind is looking at the feeling again that's just swept through the body that the mind has created. And in this process, it's come to the conclusion, I don't feel good. I don't feel good there's something wrong with me. And this is the self-perpetuating cycle. So the more we learn and practice to elevate our awareness above the processes and, 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 and the actions of the mind and body, the more we can see all of this playing out. And it's only once we begin to see it all playing out that we find ourselves in a a much stronger position to be able to do something about it. So this is why in the past I have said, you know, many people say knowledge is power. Uh, but I say knowledge is empowering. Knowing is power. Because, you know, I share this with you now. 
and what I share with you, again, it's, it's purely the way that I see life. It's purely the way that I look at life through my experience of life, okay? And I don't try to share all of this because I want you to think anything of me. You know, I, I, I've had the experience of depression and anxiety and stress and all of these kind of symptoms and ailments. Sometimes I still feel that wave of depression go through my body. And it's, you know, again, the thoughts and the mindset be, that, that, that often accompanies it. I see this process playing out. Sometimes it, it still might hook me. On occasions, it still might hook me and, 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 uh, and stop me in my tracks. But the awareness is rising. The awareness is rising and the awareness is kind of getting stronger in this respect. So the more the awareness rises, the more you are less controlled by it. So, you know, this whole process, this whole process, we, uh, we find ourselves going through this experience. And it's, to me now, it is becoming more and more essential that we develop this deeper understanding, um, this deeper understanding and this deeper realization that who we are is not the mind, who we are is not the body. Uh, you know, the, uh, the idea that many people will be aware of, the saying, I am a soul inside a human body. You know, this kind of reflects that same sentiment, but it's like I was saying earlier, I kind of wandered off track. When I say um, knowledge is empowering, this basically means, you know, I share my observation with you. This, as I put it into words, this is knowledge. I refer to this as being knowledge. I've put it into words, now it's knowledge. I can share it. It's, it's knowledge because it's being shared. It's words coming out of my mouth. This is what makes it knowledge. When you listen to these words coming out of my mouth, you don't receive it as knowledge. You receive it as information, okay? It's information that you are receiving from me. So I share my knowledge because to me, this knowledge is empowering. It could be empowering to anybody that listens to it in some way, shape, or form. I'm not saying it will be, but it could be. It could be empowering. But if you take my knowledge and you think now that you are knowledgeable because you have gathered this, and it doesn't just mean, I'm not just saying because you've got it from me, because you could get it from anywhere. Absolutely anybody can share their knowledge with you. Knowledge has to come from an experience. You have an experience, you have an understanding of realization. This is what, uh, this is where knowledge comes from. It, it comes from a, a, a personal inner experience or realization. That's where it comes from. If you gather this information from somewhere, then that's all it is to you is information. It's not knowledge. It's not knowledge because it's not known. It's just believed. So knowledge is empowering. Perhaps my knowledge that I share will be empowering to you. But then knowing is power. 
Because when you begin to see, experience and realize for yourself, this is when you will truly know what what it means to you. Truly know what it means to you. You know, until that point, words are comforting. Words are very comforting. You can hear pretty words all the time and nice things and so on and so on. Um, you know, we have this kind of meme culture where, you know, I make memes all the time or uh, to be fair, I've not made one for a little while, but I make memes. Uh, and, and in these memes, I put, I write things, just words that come to me. And I've said before that often I see that the meme that I might write is something that I have to pay attention to. This is something for me. Okay, words of wisdom might come through me for me to pay attention to. Uh, and um, But then often some memes that I've seen and, and so on, you know, they're quite pretty. They're quite pretty and nice and comforting, quite comforting. You know, the spiritual journey, again, this is my view, it's not something that should be comfortable. It's something that's going to be painful. It's something that's going to be very uncomfortable. It's something that's going to leave you alone. It's something that's going to make you feel like you need to be alone. It's something that's going to make you feel doubtful. It's something that's going to make you feel skeptical. It's something that's going to make you feel isolated. But then the more you experience all of these feelings, the more you are driven to go into them. So if you feel lonely, for example, on the spiritual path, you are driven to go into loneliness. Question that. You can't question it until you really go into it. So if you sit there and you think, I feel so lonely, then that spark might just ignite within you, the spark of curiosity, the spark of skepticism. Actually, what is it to be lonely? What does this actually mean? You enter into loneliness. You enter into all of the things that make you feel uncomfortable. You delve into depression. You delve into stress. You delve into all of these things. You delve into pain. You delve into suffering. You delve deep into all of these things. Because now being spiritual, you realize that these are just mental and physical processes. And your awareness has reached this kind of plateau where it's able to, to look at these experiences in a completely different light. This is what I call shining a light on these, on these dark experiences, if you like. So this is why I use the term spiritual. It's not because I believe anything. It's not because I've read things that make me feel better. It's not because I think tomorrow is going to be better than today. It's not because I think I need to understand the past to realize my present. It's because I know that in truth, the present moment is all there is. And a lot of us have read this in so many different ways and so on. But what does that even mean? What does that even mean? 
<laughs> so as I've just said that, I'm thinking, right, well, actually, I think I'm going to save that for one of my mini midweek podcasts. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. But suffice to say, when we speak of the present moment, what are we actually speaking of? There's no time in the present moment. There's no timing of the present moment. The present moment isn't even as long as the snap of my fingers. The present moment is, is like... If I could compare the present moment to anything, it would be... Okay, I came through... Um, for most of my life, I was in the dance scene. I went through the rave scene and through the drum and bass and hardcore and so on and so on. Uh, and as a teenager, uh, I used to DJ. So DJing was my first interest and then human beatbox and so on. But as a DJ, so I used to buy and collect vinyl and so on. And I know a lot of vinyl people out there, people still play vinyl and stuff. So here's an analogy for you. The present moment is like the needle or the stylus on a piece of vinyl. And if you magnify a piece of vinyl, I don't know how many times you need to magnify it. It might be a thousand times or something to see what a groove looks like in a, 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 on a piece of vinyl. To see that it's not just a circle, it's got many different bumps and notches and so on. It's, it's quite defined and shaped. And the, the what causes the, the music to be played when you play a record on this turntable with this stylus, you put the stylus on, is because the stylus is so such a fine point that it's able to pick out all of these little variations inside the piece of vinyl. Well, the present moment is like, it's smaller than the stylus on a, a turntable. It's, 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 infinitely smaller so the moment that you speak about the present moment the present moment is the past that's how infinitely small the present moment is it's it's fleeting it's passing there's no way to time it you can't gauge it or any of these things and this is why it is so much easier to bring the past into the present or should i say to shroud over the present with the past it's so much easier to lose yourself in flights of fantasy about the future because the past is so, it's now, it's every now. It's all of the past experiences were now. All of the futures that are, are to come are now. Everything happens now in this present moment, just like that vinyl stylus touching that piece of vinyl, playing that note, the moment it's played, it's past. So this is, uh, the, this is the reason why we have no problems in the present. This is the reason why there's no drama, no problem or anything like this in the present moment. Because the present moment is so infinite. So infinitely, I could say small, but then at the same time it's infinitely big. It's like um, an atom bomb. The, the, the energy that, that's uh, generated from crushing an atom or however an atom bomb works, an atom that's smaller than, the, than anything that the eye can see, yet able to produce so much energy to cause such a mass explosion. You know, all of these things point 
to the power of the present moment. And the more that we are stuck in past and future is the more is the longer that we remain our awareness remains trapped within the confines of the mind and stuck within the tumultuous experiences of the body so when i say i am not the mind or i am not the mind i am simply means i am present I am present, I am now. The mind is the, uh, uh, the mixture, the amalgamation, the combination and the kind of correlation of all of your past experiences and all of your memories. This is the, what makes the mind. In truth, when we use the mind in a mindful way, meaning with full awareness, it's like all of those memories that we have from the past, we use, we utilize the mind to, in order for us to know uh, such things like, you know, the mind stores the information. It doesn't store information about how we walk. Walking is a natural progress, a natural process. It's, it's part of our uh, physical truth and physical reality is to learn to walk it's uh, um, you know if obviously our bodies have that capability of doing so it's part of our progress it's all part and parcel of it uh, I'll, I'll rephrase that there's there's there is memory that's there there is memory that's 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 stored as part of that you could quite easily wake up and forget how to walk uh, you know I imagine that's been a reality for some people but the, uh, the ability to walk is already stored in the mind. Just like the, um, our heart, the beat and how our heart beats, how our whole body works, how the whole system, our whole metabolic system function, everything that happens right here, right now, is all part of who we are. This is all part of our uh, um, memory, but it's not memory that we gather. It's memory that's, it's the intelligence that's, that's within us that is basically playing out. So you might call this to some extent memory, but it's not memory that we gather. It's memory that's being gathered over time, but not memory that we've gathered on a personal level. And in this respect, this is what I refer to as intelligence. What we gather over time, meaning what we learn, what we study, and all this information that we gather, this is intellect. Intelligence is what makes us function the way that we do, without our input. Without that, we don't have a need to say, right, I want my heart to start beating now. I want my liver to filter all the liquid to go through my body. I want my bowel to pull out everything that it needs from my system and then throw out all the crap. Uh, I want the rest of my system to take out all of the nutrients and blah, 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 out of everything I eat and send it to all the relevant parts of my body. Could you imagine if you had to tell your body everything that it needed to do? Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> it 
there would be some right messes walking down the street if they were walking at all. <laughs> but fortunately, we don't have to do that because our bodies uh, already know what they're supposed to do. The intelligence that is within us already knows exactly how it's supposed to do all of this stuff. All we have to do is show up and get out of the way to allow it to do what it does. We only really suffer when we start to get in our own way. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can catch me on all of your favourite podcast, podcast streaming sites and keep an eye out for my mini midweek podcast, uh, which normally will be dropping on Wednesday evening. Until next time, thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>